Hello, my pumpkins. This is Chloe Taylor, and welcome to Authentic and Unapologetic. Here, we explore spirituality and psychology. It is my goal with this podcast to remind you that when you stand tall in your own authenticity, you empower everyone around you to do the same. Hello, my beautiful pumpkins, and welcome back to the podcast. As you know, this month we are focusing on witchcraft and all things witchy because it is the month of October. In my opinion, it is the best month out of the year. Uh, No, it is not my birth month or anything. I just love the month of October. I think it is the best freaking month. Um, So today we are going to talk about something witchy, but I always kind of like to use the intro to the podcast as like a little tiny little catch up with me or something interesting that I have been working on, et cetera, et cetera. And I wanted to talk, I guess, just a little bit about current updates, um, which this isn't current. I record these almost a month out at a time. So you don't always get like super current in real time, but you eventually get the information. But um, I just wanted to take a moment to apologize if the audio sounds weird. Uh, I am using my really high quality microphone that usually does a pretty good job. But uh, I am moving in like five days. (laughs) And I will already be well moved into my new place by the time you hear this podcast. But as I am preparing to move, I'm doing so much pre-recording, so much pre-filming. And like, if you could see a photo of the room that I'm in right now, it's crazy. Like everything has been taken off the walls. My desk is the only thing that's really still set up right now in here. And behind me, like my couch is flipped over on itself because it's a two-piece um, sectional type. There's boxes stacked almost to the ceiling it, it's like the, my house is just chaos right now. My house is chaos. I pick up the moving truck in like two days and I can't wait. Honestly, I am absolutely ready to be out of this house and into my new home. This whole month has been so extremely unsettling. And that is the month of September because I'm filming this in September. But um, this entire month has just been so unsettling, uh, mainly because I'm just like People don't talk about this enough, I feel like, but when you are moving to a new place, whether it's close or far, it's, there is a grieving process that takes place. And I believe that we can grieve for places. It doesn't just have to be people. And though I am very excited and very happy to be going where I'm going, I'm making like a huge quantum leap in my life by moving to this new location. But as I'm packing up my house, I'm running into things that bring up memories that I forgot about. Or there's also this like quiet sadness that's humming in the background for not waking up and seeing this beautiful mountain-esque view every day. And knowing all these cute little quaint places that I know where they are because I've lived here for like 12 years. And though, again, I'm so happy and excited I feel like it doesn't, I can't bypass this. I can't bypass this grieving process that's also happening at the same time. And nor would I want to. I think it's a very like intricate, delicate balance that I have going on right now. But it's, I'm so happy that I get to share this with an audience and that I get to actually just sit and have this cozy moment with you. I I don't think I say it enough, but even though we don't have a dialogue back and forth together. I mean, we do on my YouTube channel and on my Patreon links down below for all that. 
we do have a dialogue, but this is so needed. The podcast often is an escape for me. It's not usually something that is like high stress. It's very much a, I love talking. Talking is like my favorite thing in the world. I can do it all day, every day. I am such a chatty bitch. And it's often how I get my own feelings out, especially as a Gemini moon, those of you that are Gemini moons or any air sign moon, I would argue. So that's going to be Aquarius moons, Libra moons. Uh, We really like to kind of talk through our feelings. And while this is such a chaotic time for me, I'm, I love that I have just this beautiful cup of tea and I just get to sit here and talk to you about really cool shit that is so interesting. So I just wanted to take a moment also to just say thank you to all of you that listen to this podcast, that admire it, that support it, that shout it out on your socials, that give it ratings so it reaches more people. I, this is genuinely a labor of love and Many of you tell me that it's like cozying up with your best friend and just having a chat. And that's exactly what it feels like. (laughs) I mean, I've run other podcasts before. Um, I'll actually provide a link for you, uh, Twin Flames podcast, which it doesn't run anymore. We're hoping to do something in the future with that. But um, I feel like my old podcast that I had with my wonderful, amazing co-host was very similar in that nature, that both of us bring that similar energy to the table. And we really wanted to give that. We wanted to provide that, like sitting down with a really close friend and a warm beverage. And I feel like even though this is my own podcast and there are definitely differentiations, I don't know that I'll ever be able to get away from that feeling. I think that's also on being a Virgo in the 10th house. Like my friend that I co-hosted with is also a Virgo 10th house. And I feel like that was on us being like, that's something that people that have Virgo in the 10th are really, I don't want to say good at because it's honestly like natural, but that is something that comes easy to a Virgo 10th house is being very quote unquote relatable. And I don't say that to be like gross or big headed about it, but it's something that is easily possessed by the Virgo 10th house. It comes very naturally that you're just more relatable and people like to see that. So, um, I don't even mean to do it. It just happens. (laughs) So, this is just a really beautiful time. I, like I said, I'm five days out from my move and this is genuinely like the peace and quiet moment that I need right now to have myself kind of closed off from the rest of my house as much as I can be and just sit here and talk about something important to me. So today we're actually going to talk about the wheel of the year and I'm going to read to you first from Wikipedia just to kind of explain to you what this is and that we're going to kind of talk about what like my experience with the wheel of the year, my experience um, kind of creating new traditions as I do not follow a Christian based religion anymore. That was where like I got my traditions originally and kind of how I've integrated something different. And even if you are Christian or you follow organized religion, this might be some stuff that you want to start creating traditions around. So the wheel of the year, I'm reading this from Wikipedia, is an annual cycle of seasonal festivals observed by many modern pagans, consisting of the year's chief solar events, solstices and equinoxes, and the midpoints between them. While names of each festival vary among diverse pagan traditions, syncretic 
I think is how you say that. Treatments often refer to the four solar events as quarter days and the four midpoints as cross-quarter days. Particularly in Wicca, differing sects of modern paganism also vary regarding the precise timing of each celebration, based on distinctions such as lunar phases and geographic hemisphere. Observing the cycle of the seasons has been important to many people, both ancient and modern. Contemporary pagan festivals that rely on the wheel are based to varying degrees on folk traditions, regardless of actual historical pagan practices. Among Wiccans, each festival is also referred to as a Sabbath or a Sabbat. Based on Gerald Gardner's claim that the term was passed down from the Middle Ages when the terminology for Jewish Shabbat was commingled with that of other heretical celebrations. Contemporary conceptions of the Wheel of the Year calendar are largely influenced, my goodness, Mercury is in the microwave, um, by mid-20th century British paganism. So basically, the reason I wanted to cover this, this actually came from an idea that my best friend, my assistant, my past co-host gave to me. She said that she felt like the Wheel of the Year was something that should be talked about because many people are confused about it or don't know, feel like they don't know enough about it. And I feel like this is, I can't believe I've never covered this topic because though I am no expert, I have lived through, I think I'm, I just had my three year witch anniversary and I'm almost getting closer to a fourth year. Uh, My quote unquote witch birthday is in March every year. That was when I dedicated myself a practicing witch. So I've been celebrating the wheel of the year for several years now and I feel like I have a pretty good like set of traditions for these, except for maybe one of them. There's like one that I don't really celebrate for some reason. I've just never come around to creating a tradition, but uh, all the other ones, I think I can say that I've pretty well made. So basically, I also wanted to cover this because this is nothing against Christianity. Like I said, if you are part of a Christian-based faith, I don't believe that that means you can't practice the wheel of the year. However, I do feel that Christianity is kind of on the down climb and many people are searching for their own spiritual paths. I feel like this to me is really no surprise because even astrologically, this is being very supported right now. Authenticity and Um, really coming out to find that path and kind of also wiping away what was from the past. And that, again, I don't think that necessarily means we're going to wipe Christianity clean, but I do feel that many people, or not even just Christianity, I think this is a multitude of faiths, but there's a lot that is being questioned and considered and people are falling more in line with their own spirituality and their own personal paths instead of following something more organized. And with that, I feel like a lot of people don't really know what, like, you know, maybe they've had these traditions where you celebrate the birth of Christ or um, that's the only one I can, or like Easter, right? There are all of these traditions that ultimately... I do feel like some people will continue to celebrate them because their families celebrate them. And I totally respect that. But I feel also that if you are questioning and you feel like, oh my gosh, like if I'm, if I'm not following this anymore, what kind of traditions do I even have? I feel like I'm speaking from my own personal experience. 
This was something that was so sacred to me when I found it, when I started to understand the Wheel of the Year and how a lot of these holidays, if you will, actually are from the Wheel of the Year. So allow me to explain. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to get into like an argument with people about your religious beliefs. I genuinely really don't care what other people choose to believe. I don't. I think ultimately that is a very personal decision and as long as it doesn't encroach on my beliefs, I don't really care. Like, and I don't mean like, obviously beliefs can contradict each other. But what I mean by that, as long as somebody isn't rubbing it in my face and telling me I have to believe this way or I'm going to hell, I don't really care. So my point to bringing this up, though, is I'm just stating historical fact. <laughs> I'm not trying to tell you that you should believe this way or that way is basically what I'm getting at. So historically, I always kind of like to talk about Yule more than any of the others, because I think when I finally got into witchcraft, and you don't have to be a witch either to celebrate the Wheel of the Year. It's not inherently witchcraft based. This is something that ancient civilizations did, or I don't even know if that's the right term. When I think ancient civilization, I think like cavemen. Um, but this is what people before did, and people now still do. But before the uprise of Christianity... I feel like when I discovered this, it made me a little bit upset <laughs> because I was questioning my faith at the time. And Yule runs from December 20th to December 23rd. And it is actually the celebration of the return of the sun. And I'm not talking about the son of God. We're talking about the sun in the sky because it is the point at which Winter is coming. Yes, of course, it is the mark of the winter solstice. But after the long, harsh winters, if you can make it through this, we're going to be at the beautiful springtime where things start to sprout up from the ground again. And if you didn't have all the modern technology and stuff that we have now, this would be a really important celebration. I think what really stuck out to me, though, was the celebration of the sun in the sky, not like the, the solar system sun, not the sun of God. And how Christianity kind of took that and said, oh, let's make it about the son of God, right? That was very upsetting to me. I'm not going to lie. When I first heard about this, when I was questioning my own faith, I was raised devout Mormon. Um, I was like, why did Christianity co-op this? Why have we spread this story that it's about the birth of Christ? And I'm going to be real with y'all for a moment. Even if Christ is a real person right? Let's say that he is a man. That's the only way I think I could personally believe in Christ is if I just believe that he was an everyday man. He was not necessarily the son of God. There is no way that a Capricorn is dying for anybody. There is no way that Christ could have been born in that time period. And I want to say that they even have evidence to support that he was probably born in like April uh, more like the springtime, which totally makes sense for the story, in my opinion. But I just find that so interesting that it was just like, I don't know who made these decisions. And I don't know enough to even give like full factual information there. I don't know who decided like, oh, yeah, let's just take that story and make it about this, you know, and it, it's kind of like that for most of these celebrations. Um, we can talk about also Ostara or Ostra. 
This is the spring equinox, which goes from the 19th of March to the 22nd of March. And this is all about the rebirth of spring. Eggs are very uh, symbolic. Bunny rabbits are very symbolic. Chicks are very symbolic to Ostara because it is the rebirth as spring kind of births new life in, right? As we're growing new things after the winter. And this is when we would have Easter, which is all about like the rising of Christ, the rebirth, right? So it's so interesting to me because these things came first. The wheel of the year was there first. Christianity came so much later. So if you are somebody, whether you are questioning, whether you're in an organized religion and you're happy, no matter what your what it looks like for you, I think that the wheel of the year is still something very interesting to study. I think that it can bring in some really incredible traditions. And for me, this was a really great personal path because I was able to start creating my own traditions. As somebody that came from a highly abusive household, there are a lot of traditions that I do not uphold in my house, not necessarily out of anger, but I just went and created new ones with my significant other and my friends. And the wheel of the year was really good for me in that sense. So I kind of want to go through these one by one. And we're actually going to start with Samhain. Samhain is technically, it says November 1st on, um, on this Wikipedia page, but most people in my experience, especially in witchcraft, celebrate Samhain on the 31st of October instead of November 1st. And this is the midpoint between fall or the autumn, excuse me, the autumn equinox and the winter solstice. And this is what is considered the witch's new year. Usually there is a big feast involved. Um, I actually kind of flip-flop my Maybon and my Samhain, and I'll explain that to you. This year I'm actually doing it not flipped uh, because I'm moving and Maybon had to be different this year and a lot more compact and a lot easier. We'll talk about Maybon last because we're starting at Samhain. Um, but basically it's like Witch's New Year. Usually there's a feast involved. Um, this is kind of where I would celebrate my quote unquote Thanksgiving, because personally, I don't actually celebrate Thanksgiving, even though I live in the United States of America. I just don't really believe in celebrating stolen land. Personally, I think that it's really harmful to indigenous culture. And I don't personally celebrate Thanksgiving. But I do celebrate Samhain, which I basically make the same feast that I would have made for Thanksgiving, but I celebrate it with a totally different, like, criteria. It's all about, like, the new year and bringing in the newness and celebrating my witchy path. And there's, I mean, I do all plant-based feast, obviously, but um, I'll make, like, seitan. If you don't know what that is, I highly encourage you to look it up. It's so delicious. I use the hot for foods recipe for that. I usually make some plant-based mashed potatoes and gravy, cranberry sauce, uh, fresh dinner rolls. I will do, like, a veggie stuffing. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I have some vlogs on this as well. If you've ever watched any of the vlogs on my channel, I want to say... It was either Maybon or Samhain last year that my husband and I actually did share some of the stuff that we made. We made our own pumpkin pie usually. Um, sometimes we'll do pumpkin and apple pie. It just depends. Uh, we usually do like a plant-based charcuterie board, spinach dip. Like we do the whole nine yards. 
and the whole enchilada, the whole nine yards. And this is just like a really special time. It's a time to set intention for your year. I will often read like my tarot cards for the year ahead at this time. Um, it's just, a, it's a fun time. It's just a good time. And it's, I usually do it as like a friend thing. I don't think I've ever invited a family member over, but that's because I live so far away from my family that it just makes the most sense to separate off, I guess. Um, Maybe I should. I don't know if any of my family members listen to this podcast, but like maybe I should invite some people probably next year for Samhain because this year I already have plans. But and I have out of town company friends coming in for Samhain this year in my new house. Uh, But yeah, it's just a great time. So then we come into Yule, which I already kind of talked about. It's the celebration of the sun. It's the celeb. It's the winter celebration. And the cool thing is, is though, even though many people have like quote unquote Christmas trees, the tradition of the Christmas tree also comes from Yule time where Yule is celebrated and you have the Yule log. Yule logs traditionally, um, I want to say I've actually never done a real Yule log. This is the first time, this is the first year of my existence that I actually get to do a real Yule log because I will have a wood-burning fireplace for the first time in my life. And uh, basically, from my understanding, from what I have researched on this, it has to do with... Um, somebody is actually sending me a Yule log this year, which I think is so freaking rad, but you can also take like your Christmas tree and get like basically a piece off the end of it or a pretty good size piece off the end of it. And you can burn that, but you always want to reserve a piece of the log for the following year. So basically every year you have a piece from the previous year to burn as well. It's just like very symbolic transitional time, right? Uh, this usually has some sort of a feast to celebrate the winter. There's gift giving, um, the, the tree, actually, I thought this was so fascinating when I learned about this. So when we put like ornaments and stuff on the tree, the reason that we use circular glass bulbs, I mean, in modern times, of course, we have all kinds of shit that we put on the tree now, but in uh, times before this, we would have candles to put on the tree or, uh, adorning it with like circular objects because the candles were supposed to mimic the eternal flame of the sun. And also the circular orb like figures that would go onto the tree were also to mimic the sun in the sky as well. So just like a really cool celebration for, for the daddy sun. We love it. Then we move into Imbolc, which is on February 1st. And this is between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. And I am not going to lie to you. I feel like when it comes to Imbolc, I am not extremely familiar. Um, This is one of the ones that I I feel like I always celebrate the solstice and the equinoxes, but it's those in-between holidays that I don't always celebrate. Uh, But it has more to do with like spring cleaning, getting things ready for springtime. Uh, It's a big festival in honor of the goddess Brigid. And basically like her bountiful harvest. Um, I know I've done some stuff for it before, but I've never really made it super intentional. Um, So I don't have as much to say about that one and I'm sorry. But then moving into the spring equinox, the spring equinox takes place, at least in my hemisphere, on March 19th to March 22nd. And Ostara is actually probably, aside from like the Maybon Samhain Yule portion of the year, Osara is my favorite 
in between all the others. And Ostara is the spring equinox celebration. It's all about rebirth. Um, that's why we have like painting eggs, right? Uh, that's why usually like bunny rabbits are plentiful because bunny rabbits like are born and they multiply so fast. And this is really about the rebirth of self as well. And I love Ostara because it was the first quote unquote witch holiday that I ever celebrated. And I remember setting the intention. I think I have a video on my channel as well that is just of Ostara and what I did on like my first Ostara ever. I took it so seriously. I was, I told my husband who celebrated with me, he's also a practicing witch. Um, I was like, I want to celebrate this holiday the way that I would celebrate Christmas when I used to celebrate Christmas. I want this to be so important. And we've always gone out of our way to make Ostara extremely important ever since this, because it was our first ever witch holiday. We had such a good time. Usually there's a picnic involved. There's fresh food involved. Um, I want to say, no, that's not when the Maypole comes out. I think Maypole is during like Beltane, but we usually just go outside and do like outdoor activities if we're able. A lot of times it's too cold in most places, but we would still try to go out for a picnic or go on like a nature walk and just kind of explore the newness that was coming in after the harsh winter. Then moving into Beltane, which is May Day, May 1st. My husband and I joke that this is fucking outside day because there's this song by Jonathan Colton. I think it's literally called the first of May. You y'all should look it up. It's a great song. Um, but basically this is all about the, like, this is where we do the maypole, like the maypole where it's got like the ribbons that go around it and you dance around it. I think Tangled has a scene with a maypole. Um, but it's, basically a celebration of life at its like fullest or like at its peak. Um, it is also a like, it's, it's a, again, it's that in between, it's that in between spring and summertime where things are just like really thriving. And if you were like, if you planted your garden early in spring, you would start to see some stuff that's really thriving by this point. Um, again, those midpoint celebrations, I don't feel like I take them as seriously. And Samhain, I think, is the only one that I take so much more seriously as one of the midpoint holidays. Um, it's not like I've never celebrated them. I just don't have as much to report on. Uh, then the summer solstice, which happens... Um, I mean, excuse me, Lytha, which happens on the summer solstice, or Litha. I prefer to say it like Lytha, but I'm... People say it differently. This is actually the um, where we celebrate like the longer days, the shorter nights where we have more because back in like the olden times, if we didn't have light, right, if we didn't have electricity, the sun would be extremely celebrated. Longer days would mean more time to stay outside, right? Also, I'm going to take a sip of my tea that I have in front of me. Mm. But it also kind of marks the turning point where the sun begins to decline because we have the longest day of the year during the summer solstice. And then from that point, the days get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. So um, it's just basically a big summer festival. It's a big summer festival. And um, 
It's definitely about getting outside more. Like just think about summer activities in general. It's a good time to plan like a barbecue or get out on the water if you're close to some. Planning big summer activities with friends. And then we come into Lamas, um, which Lamas, I started reading a book about Lamas recently and I'm, I'm kicking myself because I actually bought their Llewellyn's books for each solstice or each solstice, each equinox and each of the midpoint holidays. And I started reading the Lamas one and I didn't finish it. I still have it, but I haven't finished it. And I wanted to read Maybon, but I had already packed the book before Maybon happened. And I was like, how could I do this to myself? Um, but Lamas, Lamas was, or is rather, basically this celebration of that midpoint between summer and autumn. Uh, it's a really good time to bake like a bread and leave an offering on your altar of bread. If you do anything with altar work or deity work. Um, it also is about like the sanctity and the importance of the harvest because by this time, if you were planting crops back then, right, or maybe you still are, maybe you're a farmer. I don't know your life. If you were planting crops, this is going to be such a great time of harvest for you. And it was always a celebration. These celebrations went on for days. And I think the coolest thing, and I've talked about this in another podcast, the coolest thing that I think we should bring back, I don't know why we are not doing this as a society, but it's genius. The coolest thing for Lamas, in my opinion, is that they did something called trial marriages back in the day, where like you could decide to have a trial marriage with somebody for a year. And then basically on Lamas the next year, if you were not happy in this trial marriage, you could just be like, nope, no thanks. Or you could get actually married a year from then and like decide to keep that person. I just feel like so many people would be so much happier if not everybody, especially where I currently live, which I will not be living here soon, but so many people here get married when they are like 18, 19. Don't get me wrong. Age is totally just a number. I got married at 22 and I still think that was too young, but for some people, it really works out, but there are a lot of people that end up divorced. And I don't even think divorce is the end all be all. I know we're getting on a side tangent, but that's who we are here. I don't even think divorce is the end all be all. To be quite honest with you, I'm quite brazen about this. And I think the concept that divorce is even a bad thing is weird. Like, honestly, I think the whole concept of marriage is kind of weird. Even though I am married, I feel like as long as you are happy and both people are working on themselves and they're happy and committed in the relationship, then like, great, keep going. But if you're not, and either of you or one of you or both of you is not willing to continue to make that relationship work, then like end it. It's not the end of the world. Like I just, maybe I have a weird perspective because I don't like to me, I don't tell my husband, oh, it's forever. It's no, it's well, like we are walking in alignment together. And if we're not like, I'm not saying throw in the towel immediately, but if we're not like, it doesn't have to be this super devastating, sad thing. It can just be two people that are growing in different directions. And now it's time to move on. Like, does that make sense? I don't know. I'm not here to school you on something if that's not even something that you consider for yourself, which is fine. I'm not here to force my beliefs on anybody. But I'm just saying from what I see, 
there's such a high divorce rate in the area that I live in. And it's it's devastating to people because in the culture that is so predominant in the state of Utah, it's very like once you get married, you've made it. And so a lot of people have this high expectation when they get married so young that they have somehow made it into some kind of club. And then when they get divorced, it's like nobody prepared them for that. And I'm just saying trial marriages, I think are genius. I don't know why we're not doing these. I don't know why we ever quit this. (laughs) Um, Moving on to the autumn equinox, which is the last holiday we're going to cover because it's the only other one left. That is the autumn equinox or Maybon. And this one is all about the fall harvest. It is the fruits of the earth and the recognition of the need to share those blessings that we have made throughout the year and also preparing for the cooler winter months, you know, doing canning and storage. And um, if you're doing like meat, obviously like freezing meat, things like that, and preparing for the thinner months ahead and celebrating all of this bounty that you've gotten at this final harvest point. And it's also just the welcoming of fall. Of course, I celebrate Maybon fall and autumn time is my favorite time of the year. Um, It's actually September 24th as I'm recording this. Fall started like two days ago. I actually did have a Maybon celebration. Um, Usually on Maybon, my husband and I will do our big feast. Like we'll do what most people would do on Samhain, which is that like big feast with the mashed potatoes, the gravy, the cranberry sauce, like kind of like what you would see at a traditional Thanksgiving table minus the turkey. Um, We'll do that on Maybon. And then usually this is because my husband and I have our own tradition for quote unquote Halloween, which is the same day as Samhain. Uh, we always make crockpot chili and watch horror movies. That is what we have done um, our entire relationship, except for last year and this year. 2020 was a weird year, okay? Uh, we didn't do chili last year, and we already did it this year for Maybon instead of doing it on Samhain. But uh, that's because we have other plans for Samhain with out-of-town friends, and it's going to be a whole thing. But... Um, oh, I didn't mention this. I'm so sorry. The celebration of Samhain is also be- not just the witch's new year. It is also about guiding lost souls back to like their path or like honoring ancestors and past pets and past loved ones. And Samhain is also really cool in my household because uh, my husband, who is 100% Latino, he celebrates Dia de los Muertos, which is the um, Spanish holiday of like Day of the Dead, basically, or the Latino holiday of Day of the Dead. And by proxy, I also celebrate this because I celebrate his family's culture as well. And we kind of lump all of these things together. Like we don't, we do it over a period of a few days, but we will decorate our altar for our past loved ones. So of course I will light a candle and I usually get my sister that has passed away a Corona because that was her favorite. Uh, I put that out on my altar with her photo and we usually get um andrew's grandparents that have passed we'll put their photos out um anybody that really touched our lives our ancestors um past pets things like that we'll really honor that out on an altar space and i can't believe i forgot to talk about that it's also really common to light candles and put them in your window on Samhain to guide lost souls home. And 
um, I was so bugged, y'all. As again, another side tangent. I again, I don't care if you're Mormon and you're here. If it makes you happy and you're a good person, like that's lovely. I'm so happy for you. I definitely have a chip on my shoulder a little bit about Mormonism because I was raised in it and I saw all the damage that it did to me and my siblings. And I have a hard time with that sometimes. But this ticked me off a little bit. Um, I think it was like two or three Samhain's ago or Halloween's ago where I live currently, which will not be where I will be living soon. Um, in the state of Utah, Utah, like Mormons did this thing where they told everybody to put candles in their window to symbolize like following Christ's light or like God's light or something. And I was like, how fucking dare these people? How dare they do this again and take from pagan culture again? And, oh, it's about following Christ's light. No, it's not. The origination of that was to guide lost souls home. Like, I'm just, mm, it's fine. (laughs) Anywho. The Wheel of the Year is so freaking cool. I hope I gave you some cool ideas for if you wanted to start looking into this. Um, I will put some links down below the videos that I mentioned. There was a vlog. There's my Ostara video. Um, I want to say I, yeah, there was an Ostara video. There's also those Llewellyn books. I will link down below if you're interested in diving into each one in great detail. I would definitely say that that's a great place to start if you're an avid reader. And that, I'll also link the Wikipedia page if you're curious. I feel like the Wikipedia page definitely leaves a lot to be desired. Like, I don't feel like that is the end all be all, but it gives very basic descriptions. And I hope this helps somebody out there. If you're struggling to make your own traditions, know that traditions aren't made by your ancestors. You can decide today that on, you know, October 5th, or or I think this actually comes out on the 19th, on October 19th, you want to put a leaf in your hair and run around for the day like that. And that can be your October 19th tradition, okay? Traditions are not made by your ancestors. They can be if you like those and those honor you, but traditions are made also by you and you get to decide which ones you want to uphold and which ones you would rather let go of. Um, Like I was saying, um, growing up Mormon, there were so many traditions in my household that I do not uphold as an adult. And I've had to really pave my way and make my own traditions based on what I really like, which is the wheel of the year. So that is what I have for you, my beautiful, lovely pumpkins. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. And I will talk to you all again next Tuesday. Happy October once again. Bye.